Professor Renwick, how are you doing today? Great, great. Nice to see you. Nice to thank meet you. Thank you, thank you. So I just brought you on to uh, talk a little bit about the serum right. People have been asking me, people ask me all the time about the serum right, because it's something which is a bit mysterious to people because the Reformation happened and then kind of disappeared. Some of the Tractarians tried to bring back some elements. And people, now that the ordinariate is a, is a thing, I've just been wondering uh, about the future of it. So will you, will you uh, first start off telling us a little bit about the history behind the serum right? Yes, of course. So, um, England before the Roman Con before the Norman Conquest uh, was uh, run by the Anglo-Saxons, and they had a tradition uh, of which the sources are not really that many and that wide. It's it's not as if we can really recreate the entire Anglo-Saxon tradition in any uh, any complete form. Um, however, parts of that did make their way into the uh, Sarum right as it developed. For example, certain of the, the saints, Oswald, for example, uh, comes out of that tradition, uh, Dunstan and so forth. Now, um, with the uh, Norman Conquest, 1066, we have the establishment of a new uh, dynasty and we have the sort of importation of, of a new gentry from the Norman lands in northern France, both the uh, political people and the religious people, so that almost all of the um, bishops were replaced by Norman bishops, of which Osmond, uh, the the Bishop of Sarum, was uh, one of the leaders, and he was in fact uh, for a time Chancellor of England, which is equivalent to uh, Prime Minister, if you like. So the intertwining of the political and the uh, religious was very tight. And um, being that uh, Osmond was in a new new land, a new area, and wanting to synthesize the Anglo-Saxon with, with the Norman, uh, established, uh, edited, revised, revised the books of worship, the breviary and the missal, uh, to be suited to the place where he was. Um, now, it must be understood that in the Middle Ages, uh, each area, each diocese had its own traditions, its own way of doing things uh, in, in quite a few areas. Um, the calendar of saints is different in each diocese. Uh, certain detailed local practices uh, would be found in different dioceses. Now, um, the thing is that Osmond seemed to have been very uh, a diligent editor and a, a diligent administrator, and because he was connected with the with the Norman hierarchy, uh, his way of doing things seemed to me the most orderly, seemed to be the most orderly, and systematic and comprehensive way of ordering liturgy. Questions of who should read what lesson at what time, uh, what psalms should be sung at any office. Uh, all the questions of what, what should we do, how should we do things, what should we do on a leap year, all these things, he organized as best he could. And because his organization seemed to be the, the most clear, it was rapidly adopted uh, by other neighboring dioceses throughout southern England to the point where uh, most of England was following the Sarum Rite in terms of its worship. 
Um, now, when I, when I say most of England, um, there are exceptions. The Diocese of Hereford that continued its own traditions and the Diocese of York uh, continued its own way of doing things. But uh, apart from that, uh, Sarum ruled rather supreme and in, in time through most of Scotland and parts of Ireland and indeed parts of northern France, which was uh, under the control of the Normans. Now, um, the importance of Sarum comes from the, the fact that we have a complete set of liturgical materials from that era. If you were to go to, say, uh, Rouen and see if you could dig up all the, the, the medieval materials to reconstruct the Rouen rite or the Rouen use, you know, it's very hard to find uh, adequate materials to cover all the ground. Uh, France suffered the depredations of the, the, the uh, revolution, just as England suffered the depredations of the Reformation. Um, so because Sarum was so widespread, we have quite a few sources available to cover uh, the ground. And there, as I've been doing my work, there are only tiny little uh, details where I can't seem to find a tiny little piece of music or a bit of text or a bit of... Uh, rubric that would explain how things ought to be done. <clears throat> so that's, uh, and, and also it must be remembered that England, uh, the, the dioceses in England were quite large as compared to France, which had many more dioceses, which were quite small. So England developed out of these factors, the fact that similar uh, liturgy was being carried on throughout the whole land. Those two York and Hereford areas accepted. Um, and so the dominance of Sarum, you know, I would, I would wager that it was uh, perhaps the, the most widespread use in the later Middle Ages. Um, you know, if we go to Italy, um, parts of Italy were following some sort of Roman traditions, Franciscan traditions, other parts um, following Beneventan traditions. There was not... Uh, the kind of homogeneity in liturgy in the Middle Ages that we find coming out of the Council of Trent. Uh, the Council of Trent is the uh, watershed for the Roman Rite as um, the Reformation is for other areas. Yeah, I did uh, notice reading the 50, the introduction, I think it's to the 1552 Book of Common Prayer. It talks about the... Um, it, it talks about the rites or, or the ways of prayer in York and Salisbury. So was there multiple different, you mentioned um, a few of these local traditions, but could sure. we speak properly of multiple different rites in England or was Cranmer kind of waxing eloquent when he's in, in a bit over exaggerating when he talks about these different rites in England? Well, there were three recognizable, distinguishable rites. Sarum, which occupied 90% of the area, or 80%, let's say, York, perhaps 15% of the area, and Hereford, maybe 5% of the area. There's one other that, uh, that is mentioned by Cranmer, Bangor, which is a place in Wales. And I believe that that's really, uh, the, when we speak of Bangor, we're, we're looking at Sarah materials, which per perhaps might have reference to a specific saint from the Bangor area or something. But basically, Bangor is the same as Sarum. So there are really three. 
how did uh how did the reformation itself affect the the serum right well it abolished it mm -hmm. I, <laughs> I mean <laughs> <laughs> so with uh, the like the effects on uh for sure. example the book of common prayer okay, so, uh, so saints calendars what what cranmer tried to do in the book of common prayer was to condense into a single volume uh the essence of the medieval Latin rite, turned into English, um, combined with the essence of the layman's Book of Hours, uh, which was typically in Latin, but by the mid 16th century was frequently found in English as well. As, um, so what, what is contained, for example, is the traditional epistles and gospels, uh, uh, for the the days of the year and and uh, occasional saints, um, the collects are for the most part rewritten. Although sometimes they're recognizable from their antecedents, but many of the collects are rewritten because collects tend to have a kind of a theological focus. And Cranmer was a stickler for a kind of a kind of um, reformed theology that comes out in the collects. The, uh, the, the things that were omitted, which are the characteristics of the rite, really are all of the uh, Matins lessons that belong to the Sundays of the year and the, all the saints, the, the legends of the saints. What's left out is all the antiphons that pertain to uh, the psalmody throughout the year, whether it's the regular days, the Sundays, the feasts, the saints' days, all of that is gone the uh the chants of the requiem mass all of the sequences which are in their are their own tradition all of the hymns are gone from the tradition so that we have in the early uh, anglican days simply singing the psalms straight up mm. so how would you respond to because I, I i hear this sentiment a lot that serum isn't really a distinct right and that serum's kind of more of a, a scholarly myth than anything how would you respond to those that say that it was basically just the same as the rest of the Roman rite? Well, the core the core of the Western rite is the same from diocese to diocese. When we take something, say the canon of the mass, the uh, the essence is in, is identical. There may be a tiny little difference, for example, an elevation here or a sign of the cross there, but basically the canon is the same. The, uh, the epistles and gospel, gospels are generally the same. But where things change from diocese to diocese would be the calendar, which sets up what saints are going to be observed and how important they are in any different area. Um, the readings that pertain to the saints, the readings at Matins, that, that, um, where those are sourced, because they're not... Uh, some readings are from the Bible, but many readings are from the fathers. And so the sources of those readings uh, change so that Sarum would have a lot of readings from Bede, for example, as well as a lot of Gregory and Augustine. Um, now, it's, it's not as if we have the words right and use, which are tricky words. I like to say that there's a Western right of which there are many uses, essentially one use for each diocese, uh, of which then the Roman would actually be termed a use of the Western Rite. 
which was very, not used very very widely. The Roman the Roman use of the Middle Ages was really restricted very much to that Rome, the area around Rome. Um, the, the French uses were more widespread with their Gallican traditions, some of the Gallican traditions, some of the chants and so on that worked their way into, into the history. So uh, we have to see a kind of wealth of variation in the Middle Ages as compared to, we have to understand what happened at Trent, where essentially all of the variety with certain notable exceptions um, was condensed into one single use, a new uh, Roman rite. Uh, and when I say condensed, I do mean condensed because um, while the Roman breviary of Trent is about this big, text only, you can't quite see it, there we are, this is not it, but it's about this size. The Sarum medieval breviary is three times this size. This is one of three volumes. So you have to understand what was omitted when the Trent, when the Reformation, the Counter-Reformation came along. What was omitted was most of the saints' lives, um, many of the uh, other lessons from the fathers, um, all of the rhymed offices that cropped up in the Middle Ages, such as the, the beautiful chants for uh, St. Catherine, um, uh, all of the uh, sequences, bar about four, were deleted, a rich tradition. And um, so much was cut out of the, uh, the Roman rite at that point. But it became a unified uh, package throughout Western Europe. Uh, so, and this all has to do with the rise of print. Print, mm -hmm. media. print media allows multiple... Uh, production and so far so then standardization across the tradition before that it was all done by hand and so traditions crept up and developed on their own so in the same way in England we have with the advent of print that's where the book of common prayer has its power again in England a single a single rite the book of common prayer throughout the entire realm and there we have not only uh the geographical, but the political aspect, where that right is connected with the monarchy in Britain. Uh, so, so there are many different factors going on. But uh, and 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 the so what was left over then besides this new Tridentine Roman right was uh, the Dominicans kept their own traditions and they still do today to an extent. The Ambrosians, uh, the, that is the Church of Milan. And uh, one place in Spain, right? The Mozarabic, right? So, okay, we're we're right now at the in our in our historical overview. We're at the Reformation. There's been the 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 tyranny of the monarchy taking away our beautiful serum, right? So, after this point, what happens in the story of bringing back the serum, right? I'm assuming it's going to start back up near the Tractarian era. Sure. That, that's at least my yeah. assumption. So where, where, do, where do we go from there? Yeah. Well, there are little things that continued. There was, the Jesuits did produce uh, for England a rite of baptism that was used in that period by the, um, you know, in secret. And um, the, the uh, Sarum uh, wedding ceremony 
main, was maintained in its structure because that was a legal binding uh, contractual event as well as a religious event. Um, yeah, so when did things start picking up? Yeah, so we have in the 19th century uh, the Tractarians, as you mentioned, and the real issues around the, the connection of church and state and the, the concept of them wanting to be uh, separate. Uh, and we have, that's, that's where Newman really comes in, isn't it? Uh, separating the church from the state. We have the reintegration of the Roman, the, 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 the uh, closing of that prohibition of Roman uh, worship in England and the beginning of Roman Catholic churches. And, uh, and that scholarly tradition of starting to look at these manuscripts and starting to, uh, to piece together the past. There's a, there's a 19th century interest, a romantic interest in the medieval era, which comes out, uh, as you know, uh, not only in music, but in architecture, in dress, in ornament, in the, the, uh, the new uh, Roman Catholic churches being built in the medieval style of the Gothic. So all of those, the, the values are connected with that. And so we start having additions uh, being created uh, of the materi uh, worship materials. Yeah. And uh, at the same time, then, the, the starting to look into the chant, just as at Salem's, in France, the Roman Catholics are starting to look again into their chant roots and trying to get back to some some of that. Not only the uh, restoration of the chant, but uh, we have, uh, in some circles at least, the restoration of the original forms of the hymn texts that were altered, um, sort of purified, you might say, I believe in the 17th century. Yeah, I wasn't. I didn't know this, but I was reading. Um, I think it was an encyclical from Pope Pius X. And when Pope Pius X was writing this encyclical about sacred music, he just happenstancely mentions just kind of a side comment, like, "Oh yeah, we have just started to recover Gregorian chant." That's right. And this this had really surprised me because I did I had not known that it wasn't really until the uh, late 19th century that some of this stuff, even in the Roman Rite started to be uh started to come back to prominence that's and that right it, it had basically been lost everywhere every everyone had had these losses since correct. the uh, era of the reformation correct so okay now we we're at the tractarians they started to bring back stuff so what is uh i guess i'll let you do a little bit of autobiograph <laughs> autobiographical stuff what what have you done uh to to aid in the recovery of serum yeah thank you for that so uh, it was about 15, uh, well, more years, more than 15 years ago, closer to 20 years ago, that um, uh, there was a certain uh, coming together of items that allowed me the possibility of some recreation. And that was, I, I had come across these volumes, which is the Proctor um, Sarum Breviary. This is a 19th century edition. Um, but I also got my hands on the uh, the music that goes with it, which looks like that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, computer programming had come to a point where there was a, a useful um, program I could use to set the text and the music together so as to try to bring it to life. 
And I'm rather keen on the idea of a free and open internet. I guess it's my age. And so um, I created the site and started putting up uh, documents of the Sarum Rite. And my object then was to try to get in one place all of the, uh, all of the content of the Sarum Rite uh, as accurate as possible in, in its uh, original Latin form and its Newman's form. Uh, that's the main object is to have the materials at hand for anybody who wants to know what it is, what it actually is. Uh, how, you, how you use it, that's another question. Uh, from there, I have um, moved in because of interest uh, to the translation into English, which I think serves two purposes. One, we already see in the 16th century the idea of moving uh, liturgy into the vernacular whether it's in the translation of the um, books of hours that people were using. Uh, and of course, the Book of Common Prayer itself is largely a translation from the uh, Latin text. So it seemed to me a natural progress and one possible outcome that might have happened if um, the, uh, the violence of the 16th century Reformation in England hadn't hurt, occurred and if it was more of a gradual development that perhaps the uh, liturgy would have come into English. And so, uh, and then of course, there have been many editions uh, of bits and bobs of it. For example, the uh, very nice Palmer editions of the, uh, the Sarum uh, Order of Vespers, for example, they're nice. Um, but they're not, they're, they're edited to be more in keeping with an Anglican uh, tradition. They don't have all the saints, for example, uh, there are things missing. And my object is to have everything from the original so we can understand it. And then the next stage was because of the people were asking, I started uh, creating my own um, books, books of Sarum Chant. So this is the, uh, this is Compline for the entire year in one book, small book, uh, in English, using the English that pertains to the Roman Catholic tradition. So the Douay Reims uh Bible texts, for example, and Psalter and so on. And the same thing in uh, a Book of Common Prayer texts. So you can use whichever, because I think these are both valid traditions, valid uh, developments and continuations of where things would have been. And so um, some people, some people use them. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, I got into bigger, bigger things like this. And you'd be surprised at the amount I believe that my entire breviary in Latin will be equivalent to about uh, 15 volumes this size, which is it's huge. It makes the Liber Usualis look like a, a baby, for example. You know, that's the size and the, the amount of content in, uh, in the medieval rites. It's unbelievable. Man, I thought my sumo was big, but uh, <laughs> with these uh, medieval medieval uh breviaries they're massive so they're massive. uh and then so you've you've done work on the on the breviary uh exclusively have you done any work on the missile oh yes yes the entire latin missile is available for anyone online and at the same time i've also um these books are the 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 gradual so the singing part of the missiles so for choirs that want to sing in latin the entire gradual is available in book form and hopefully the uh La the english versions of that gradual will be coming along uh, in time so that you can 
you can perform. I, we use these on Sunday at my church. This uh, this gradual, for example. Yeah. Okay, I'm just. And even the gradual. Look at the size of it. This is this is this is all of all of the chance of the mass. It's pretty big. Just <laughs> grabbing the link for everybody real quick. People yeah. are asking in the chat. That in for them. Okay, so another another thing uh, people have been asking about is uh, how exactly do these in in particulars? How do uh, how does the serum breviary missile? How does it differ from the uh, general tridentine? Or I guess most people are familiar with the sixty two. Um, that that'd be a whole can of worms, though. Let's just go tridentine, um, right? Uh, breviary and missile. So. In terms of the breviary, um, the the uh, Tridentine breviary is essentially the Franciscan Benedict uh, Franciscan um, medieval tradition. But as I said before, um, uh, parts have been cut out a lot. The uh, it's been simplified already, so that the breviary, um, you know, is about half the the Roman. Um, Tridentine breviary is about half the size of a medieval breviary in terms of its content. Most of the readings that are non-biblical have been removed, for example, so that the, the Tridentine breviary is much more biblically based and it has much less of the medieval uh, legend stories of the saints, for example, where, where a saint in the, in the medieval times might have nine lessons devoted to that saint. Uh, in the Tridentine breviary, the same saint might have um, three lessons devoted to the saint, three lessons from a, a Bible Bible passage, and three lessons from a church father. So that the emphasis is quite different. Uh, for example, um, where, now in the Missal, uh, the essence of the Missal is not so different. Uh, from the medieval times to the modern times. And likewise, the, the missal in terms of uh, dioceses and, and rites is, is not so different from one to the other. There's much more continuity in the missal. So what we have really omitted in the, um, in the 1962 and in the Tridentine uh, missals is the sequences are all gone. The, the number of saints uh, or the, 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 the list of saints is, is quite different uh, um, yeah but the, the the chance you know the the offertories and graduals and so on tracks and so on are pretty similar so they can be used uh, so what differs in uh, in serum chant because I've used in the past uh, and this is how I learned to chant personally I use St Dunstan's Psalter yeah so and and that mentioned that the uh, psalm tones and the chant tones in these serum chant is actually different than uh, general uh, Western uh, uh, Roman chant. So how, how do how, how does serum chant differ from the rest of the rite? Sure. So I think uh, if we look at psalms themselves and psalm tones, we have to understand that our standard today is really what was created uh, in the 19th century in Salem's. Uh, the, the psalm tones that were chosen by Salem's to keep in their books from the wide variety of psalm tones available throughout Europe. <clears throat> and uh, so what we have, if we look at serum psalm tones, 
is certain uh, variations from what you would be familiar with. For example, tone one solemns begins. That's the opening. The sarum and most other traditions actually go. It's a little simpler, for example. And there are such changes, uh, sometimes more ornate, sometimes simpler throughout all of the different tones. So it's it's not a matter of right and wrong. It's 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 a matter of variation from place to place, and I think of it somewhat in terms of the modern days where you have cover songs. Someone will do the sort of authentic version, and other people will pick up the same song and do it a slightly different way. And sometimes the melody is even a little different. If we think of that um, beautiful old folk tune. Uh, there with the raised six, but it's actually a different note at the top. A major second in the first version and a minor second in the second. And no one knows really which is the right version. They both sound pretty good and different people would do it different ways. So I think there's a, there's a misconception arising out of the Tridentine reforms, which was that, you know, there's a right way and there's a wrong way. And that the Tridentine books or the 1962 Missal, that's the right way, or the Solemns Libre Usualis, that's the right way, or, or so on. But even in Solemns, you know, we've got now revised versions of the Antiphonal. We've got revised versions of the, the everything's going under revision. And, and it's that's kind of the way things are. It's a bit of a a bit messier than than the real in reality than what we try to do. So where do you in in the future since since all this all this work has been done over the last century century and a half, yeah. where do you see the serum right really flourishing in the future? Do you see it? Uh, there's there there's a few options that you could the Western uh, Orthodox Rite. You could see it in the the Ordinariate Chair of St. Peter. You could see it in the uh, in Anglicanism in the various continuum bodies. Where do, where do you see Sarum really uh, taking taking hold? Yeah. Uh, I guess I see the a kind of a shift from the sort of monolithic form of church we're coming out of, whether it is uh, St. Pius X's vision of church or Vatican II's vision of church, the idea that everybody's doing the same thing the same way at the same time, and that gives unity. That concept, and, and we have that we have that in the Anglican Church as well in the Book of Common Prayer. That's that's the way, that's the only way, that's it. And I think I've detected over the last decades more and more uh, moving away into different possibilities. Some of them I think are good and some of them I think are lousy, but, but be that as it may, I think uh, a, move, a move to explore different ways and different things. So, you know, is it wrong for some church to, 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 um, to observe a certain saint's day and another church not to observe the same saint's day or, or, or have that saint's day on another day? You know, where, where are the limitations? And I think in the Roman Catholic Church, the true limitation is uh, is in the canon of the Mass, where it where it really belongs, at least in the traditional way, the traditional canon of the Mass. That is the ground. That is the fundamental. But whether one were to sing the uh, 
the proper chants of the day to the tunes in their version that you find in Salem's books or the tunes you find in Dominican books or the tunes you find in uh, Sarum books or York books? I mean, is it really going to hurt? It's, it's just the same way as you might sing a hymn to a different tune in a different place. It's not really, it's not really uh, breaking any religious rules, honestly, to use yeah. a different tune or a different version of a tune. It really isn't. So, um, you know, where I would like to see is, is, is bringing back more of the variety, bringing back the sequences, whether they're Sarum sequences or any other kind of sequences, uh, bringing back more of the saints' days, bringing back more of the saints' lives. I mean, people's, people coming from a rational age uh, think there's something wrong with the idea of St. Margaret being eaten by a dragon. But we have to think symbolically. We have to think about the meaning of the stories, not the stories themselves. We have to think about what it's telling us. And then there's a, a richness of imagination, a richness of storytelling, which is there for the taking uh, to, to enhance our spiritual lives. Okay, I see a few questions in Whoa. the <laughs> chat real quick. Uh -oh. I've said the wrong thing now. <laughs> okay, so was Sarum done in Scotland or was there a Celtic rite that was done there? Sure. So throughout the Middle Ages, the late Middle Ages, so we're taking talking from the uh, 13th century onwards, it was mostly Sarum in Scotland. We, we actually have um, the so-called Aberdeen Breviary, which was created in the early... Uh, late for, late 15th century, uh, which is a Sarum breviary, but it has the addition of all sorts of interesting uh, Scottish saints to the to the calendar with mm -hmm. lessons and stories about them, and so that's a great uh, wealth of, of tradition there. But it is basically the Sarum right in terms of all of the rules of how things are done, uh, the antiphons and so on. Yeah. That is kind of something I, I long for to have have more saint readings. Absolutely. Kind of, I know. I, I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to have uh, in in my in my uh, liturgical books, which is basically just the Book of Common Prayer, but stamped by Rome. That's basically yeah. what, what we have with yeah. a few with the minor hours added. I, I wish there was those nice, robust uh, hagiographical uh, hagi hagiographical or is it hagiographical? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, text. Good. To, to read about uh, St. Margaret getting eaten by a dragon or something like that. So I have, uh, at this point, I do have a draft of the entire uh, Sanctorale in English. It's not ready for uh, public consumption yet, but uh, I really enjoyed and worked hard at, uh, at that. It's fascinating. There you go. I can't wait for it uh, to come out. I think I'm going to well, give myself first, up a copy first, of uh, Comline. The first three months will be available online uh, in July. So December, January, and February will be up in July. Oh, there you go, everybody. I'll make sure I, uh, I'll link to that when it comes out. And everything goes online first, right? I mean, I'd love you for you to buy my books and use them, but everything in the books is, is online somewhere, although it's not as convenient often because, uh, yeah, because the online is somewhat a work in progress. Okay, so somebody else asked, uh, are there any distinctives, uh, things that differ in the Sarum ordination, right, that differ from the Roman one? I didn't ask about the pontifical. That's that's right. Yeah. So what's the, what's the what differs in the pontifical? Oh, now you're really stretching me. 
the, the pontifical is an area because um, pontificals were really only used by bishops. There aren't that many of them. And furthermore, uh, because of the lack of a need of a large number, there was never a printed Sarum Pontifical to establish a kind of final standard. So we have to rely on manuscripts, uh, which to determine, you know, which is really a, a totally authentic Sarum Pontifical, that's a tricky thing. Um, you see, what bishops did as bishops uh, didn't necessarily follow according to any given use or right. It's, they were more, this is a bishop's book. This is what bishops do. This is how they do mm -hmm. it. Uh, handed on from manuscript to manuscript. And a bishop would, would take a manuscript perhaps when he was bishop at some cathedral and move, be appointed to another cathedral and maybe take it with him and use it there in a different use. I mean, so it, the pontifical is a tricky area, and so I can't really answer the question about whether or what ordination, I can't answer the, the question what ordination was like in in, uh, in the use of ceremony. Sorry about that. That's a great question, and uh, I hope to be able to uh, pursue that. Yeah, I'm assuming yeah. that uh, with the breviaries, we have the most, most copies of them because they yeah. would have... They would have been absolutely That's, everywhere. You only really need one missile per church. Um, well, if you think Sarum, uh, the cathedral of Sarum, uh, Salisbury, would be doing uh, probably 20 or 30 masses a day with oh, all the chapels, right? you got to imagine what's going on in a place like that. It's like a supermarket, uh, you know, uh, chapels all over the place, people coming and going at all hours with their masses I, and whatnot. I think Cranmer would, would write about how people would run from side chapel to side chapel to try to get to as many masses as they could. Yeah, so. that's right. Yeah. So they <laughs> hey, want that blessing, you know? They want to be is, close to God. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. So do you have anything uh, you'd like to say? I already put your the link to your website um, in the chat, so I'll make sure I get all the information to everybody. Anything well, Anything you'd like to conclude or plug yourself? I'd, or I'd like to encourage people to explore the website. There's a lot, lot on there. But you have to be a bit diligent going from page to page through these drop-down menus to get where you really want to go. Check out the timeline. Check out the uh, uh, what's new, which shows what's coming up. Check out the quick links to some of the more interesting aspects. Um, and do uh, write, uh, write to me, you know, if you have questions or ideas or concerns uh because i do respond i started publishing these books because people were asking for them you know and uh so uh don't be shy whatever okay. and then real quick somebody else uh in the serum right do they hold a candle next to the host or in the elevation of the host i'm not aware of that nope but if you under links uh under links you will find a couple of videos that show uh, full Sarum masses uh, with video and audio, and you can watch the entire video and see what's going on. Uh, some are instructional, some are just uh, videos that record an event. Yeah. Okay, thank you. And uh, for everybody else, I'll be back on at, uh, what time is it? I'll be back on at 7 p.m. to uh, talk about theological notes in the manualist tradition. Thanks. So I will see everybody in 20 minutes. And thank you, uh, Professor Renwick, for, for coming on and telling us about the Sarum Rite. 
I know everybody enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Good night. And everybody else, it's Lent, so do penance for the kingdom of God is at hand. Glory.